and you don't have any broken shells. Well, I wanted to go find, walk on the beach and find a shell that was broken to re represent this, this idea that the Lord had given me through reading this book. Well, so I started looking for broken shells, and I was walking along, and I picked up one. And this was a broken, part of a broken, I mean, it was a broken part of a shell. Well, I thought, well, I don't particularly like that one, so I started looking for some more. And I started seeing all these broken shells, and it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, these shells represent people. And that, I mean, it was just like that principle. And I started seeing a shell that represented everything that we go through. Well, I picked up this shell, and this, I don't know if you can see it very well, but this is a shell with a hole in it, just about where our heart would be. And I thought, that would represent people who are, who feel empty, who feel drained, and they just don't have anything else to give. And they have just been drained out by circumstances in their lives. And this would represent it. And it was just like the Lord said, that's your heart, and there's nothing left there. But I want to go in that heart. I want to fill up that heart with myself. And then I walked along, and I picked up another shell. And I picked up this shell. Now, this shell doesn't look like much is wrong with it. But if you look at it very closely, the edges are chipped. And so that's like some of us. We don't look like on the outside there's anything wrong. But really there is something wrong that we've been chipped, chipped away. And the Lord wants to, to, to complete that chip, you know, fill that chip up and make it and heal it up again. Here's a shell that I, that I found. And it's an oyster shell. And it has barnacles all over it. And that, that, when I saw that, I thought, that's just like us when we get things on us that we're not supposed to have. And it makes us look ugly. And it just, just keeps us from doing what we're supposed to do. And so the Lord said, I want, I want to remove those things that are on you. I want to get that off of you so that you could be the shell that you were meant to be, the beautiful shell that you were meant to be. I don't think oyster shells are so beautiful, but... I think the Lord does. He made them. I picked this shell up, and this shell is half, is half gone. And that reminded me of, you know, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is, this is representative of single people. People who are single because of just never being married or uh, divorced or widow, have been widowed. And this is representing those single people. And he was saying, I want to be the other half. I want to make that shell whole by being, filling up that shell and making it with myself and making that a whole shell. And I want to do that for you. Okay. When I saw this, I knew what it was. This is an oyster, another oyster shell. And oyster shells, or any shells, when they are beaten and, uh, by the tide and storms and go back and forth, rub against the sand, um, that they are polished and they are smooth. Now, this oyster shells are really rough and rugged. This shell is just a smooth shell, and it's, um, and it's, you know, it's just like what he wants to do with us through the storms in our lives and the things that come against us that rub against our lives, that is to smooth us and perfect us, to be the smooth. This is almost like a pebble. It's so smooth. 
I have one more shell, and this is the one that shattered. You can't see this, but it's all a shell that's broken into a lot of pieces. And it looked like somebody had stepped on it on the beach when they were walking along. And it was just laying there in a whole bunch of little pieces. And I thought, and the reason I picked it up, you know, I would never pick picked up a whole bunch of pieces of one shell. But the reason I picked it up is the Lord says, you know, we're, and sometimes in our lives we feel like we're shattered and we just fall to pieces. And the Lord wants to put us, put us back together when we get to that point. And um, just to look to him and he will restore us and put us back together to be the shell and the beautiful person that we are supposed to be. That was good, Bunny. All this good stuff people are saying, it really sort of makes me feel bad that I have to preach. <laughs> it's like the Lord is saying so many good things. Oh, did we just miss the kids already? We did. Okay. Everybody stand up. I'll make you stand. And we're going to read the... I'm going to read to you while you stand, so get your Bible with you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for words that you're giving this morning to us. Just uh, just heard your word through the, through, the, through the prophetic word, Lord. We heard your word through evangelistic words, God. Uh, we've heard your encouragement, Lord. Uh, we've heard your admonition, Lord. Lord, we, I believe your heart's here for us this morning. Lord, we didn't come here to go to church, really, Lord. We came here to meet with you, Jesus. And Lord, if we just need to be flat out of our minds to meet with you, that's what we'll do, Lord. But we just desire you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you that there's crushed lives that have been stepped on, God, that you want to put back together, Lord. Lord, thank you there's people in here that the storms of life have about wore them down to nothing. That, God, that you want to take that, and Lord, and you want to go with them. Lord, you want to take them and use everything that the enemy meant for evil. You want to turn for good. Lord, those who've got stuff on them, God, from the world or for just life, that you want to get it off of them. Those who have holes in their heart, there's been broken hearts, hearts that just, they just can't do it no more, Lord. I believe that you're going to touch them this morning, Jesus. I believe you want to save somebody, Lord. Lord, I believe you want to save bunches of people. God, I believe you want to fill people with your Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Just remain standing. and <clears throat> I'm going to read uh, Luke 8. Turn to Luke 8. I gave you the introduction last week. Luke, uh, that was... What I shared last week actually was my introduction to this message I was going to give you this week. But I'm going to go ahead and read this one more time. Luke 8, verse 4 through 15. This is, everybody knows this. Uh, this is the parable of the sower. Luke's version. Verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock. As soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. 
when he had said these things, he cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's an explanation point. Jesus cried out. Jesus yelled. So when you hear yelling preachers, they got it from Jesus. Amen. Don't get religious on us. He did it. Not that I'm going to be yelling, but, you know. I'm just telling you, Jesus did this stuff. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's given in parables that... Seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And it's wonderful that Jesus explains His Word to people who really want to understand His Word. Isn't that the truth? If you really want to know what the Bible means, Jesus is in the mood to explain it to you. But if you're just part of the pack, probably not going to get it, according to that. So don't be part of the pack. Be, you know, get Jesus to explain some stuff to you. I believe he wants to. And then he explains it. And forever has sealed the explanation of this parable. Nobody can can re-explain it any better than Jesus did. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word out of their hearts. At least they should be believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the Word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they are have heard, go out, and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Amen. Sit down. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to just go through this. I think this, this is powerful. This, this is really powerful. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord this. God... Maybe there's like four types of people here that we just read. Maybe I'm one of those people. I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you and ask Him to show you if you're one of those types of people. And or maybe there's just an area of your life that one of those types of people apply. It applies just maybe to a specific area of your life. Maybe not your whole life, but maybe there's just parts of your life that it, that it applies to. You hear what I'm saying to you? And, and ask the Lord to, to speak to you. Because this is what this is all about now. This is about God talking to you and about you getting God to help you with your life. Amen? Who, who needs help with their life? Gosh, we need help, Lord. Help us. Well, the first type of people, verse, verse 5. A sower went out to sow a seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. First type of people is the people where the seed fell on the side of the road. Key word, this is how I'm going to do this, key word is trampled. Okay, that's the key word in that, in that verse, is trampled. Anyway, it's the key word I picked out. You can pick out a different key word, but since I'm doing this, I'm going to pick out the ones I like. Okay? Y'all going to have to loosen up. Anyway, this is what happens in those people's life. Nothing. Nothing happens in their life. Nothing happens in their life because they're in a place of compromise. They're in wrong relationships with other people. Okay, they're in wrong relationships with people. Other people have, there's people who do or say things which keeps the Word of God from having the effect that it's meant to have in their life. In other words, somebody has got their foot on their life. Somebody's got their foot on their life. Anybody in a relationship this morning where somebody's got their foot on your life? Now, it can be people who don't believe God to have their foot on it. It could be people at school. It can be people at work. It could be, I know, marriages where a husband or wife has their foot on the other person's life. You know, you hear this term, uh, 
codependent relationship. Somebody's got their foot on your life. You hear what I'm saying? This is the thing. Nothing happens in your life. The area where somebody's got, somebody else has got their foot, nothing's going to happen spiritually. Nothing. It could be your employer. You hear what I'm saying to you? It could be a best friend. But it's somebody who has a place and has an influence in your life where they shouldn't have it. And because they have it, this is what happens. Because they have it, this is what happens. Verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, least they should, be, should believe and be saved. And because somebody's got their foot on your life, somebody's walking on your life where they really shouldn't be, the enemy's able to come into your life and take away what God's put in your life. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody, has, somebody has, is in a relationship that you shouldn't be in. Somebody, somebody's got influence in your life that they shouldn't have. And they're robbing you. They're walking on your life. They're walking on your life. That doesn't mean you could be married to that person. That doesn't mean you're supposed to divorce them. But you can't allow the Word of God to be compromised in your life. So ask the Lord. Did you just turn it on? Just turn it off. Oh. Okay. I'm sorry. Ask the Lord to show you where somebody's got their foot on your life. You'd be surprised. Second type of people. Verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these having no root, who believe for a while and in, in time of temptation fall away. So this is the seed that fell on the rocky ground. And this is an interesting. The key word on this one's joy. Okay? These are the type of people who start well, but they do not last long. They start well, but they do not last long. In other words, they receive the Word of God with joy. They're excited. They're exuberant people. They're really excited. God is moving. God is doing something. You ever been around people like that? I've been like that. Just get all stirred up. Okay? Excited, exuberant people who mistake the anointing of the Lord for noise. <laughs> they think if something's noisy, something's loud, something's rambunctious, that's, you know, God. <laughs> you know? Might be, but it might not be. They don't have any substance in their life. You've heard, you know these people. You know these people. You've been around these people. Oh, man, you know, the Lord, I've, I've been looking for this church for years. I finally found my church. This is where God's called me. Oh, this is what God's called me to do. A month later, you don't see them anymore. Those are rootless people. It happens. Pastors can't stand that stuff. They hate that stuff. Because you hear it a lot. You hear people say, you know, God's really called me brother or pastor or Byron or reverend or whatever they call you. He's really called me to do this ministry, and I'm so excited about it. You know? And you find out they're not doing it, and you call them, they don't even return your phone calls. That's rootless people. You know, God help us not to be rootless people. God help us to be people of substance. Because here's the truth. Trouble always reveals the lack or presence of roots. Trouble always reveals it. When trouble comes in your life, it's going to reveal whether you have root, roots in your life. Because here's what happens to every Christian. Sooner or later... It's going to get dry. 
sooner or later it's going to get dry. Sooner or later, the person that so blessed you is not going to so bless you anymore. Sooner or later, you're going to have to dig in yourself. And your roots, that's, what, that's when you need to have roots, where your roots can go down and find its own supply of water instead of somebody else getting Because sooner or later it's going to happen. You can have the best Bible teacher in the world, but sooner or later they're going to get boring to you. You hear what I'm saying to you? Sooner or later you ain't going to want to hear what they got to say. Sooner or later your wife or your husband who's, who's, who's kept you pumped up over all these years is going to quit working. You've got to have your own roots. Your roots got to go down and find water for themselves. Don't be a rootless person. Nothing. They start well, but they don't last long. People come into churches all the time. This is what God has for me. You see them for a couple of weeks and you, they don't, you, you can't even get them to return your phone calls. You can't even get them to return your phone calls. The church is full of those kind of people, rootless people. I know one guy, every two weeks, God's told him to do some new thing. You know, all excited. This is what God's told me to do. And then two weeks later, all, this is what God told me. Wait a minute, what do you, I, he told you two weeks ago to do something opposite. It doesn't seem like to me God can make his mind up in your life. You know, it's a rootless person. Third type of people. This is where a lot of you, a lot of us, not you, us. Third type of people, verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. The thorns th sprang up with it, with the Word of God, and choked it. And the key word there is choke. Now, these are the people who start well, but do not end well. They start well in their walk with God, but they don't end well. Now, this is the truth about it. They hear the Word. It's, the soil's good in their life. They've got good soil. They've got good hearts. Okay? The Word grows, but the thorns grow with it. The thorns grow with it. Thorns grow up. Now, this is true in any, in any sense any kind of maturity on a natural level, any kind of spiritual maturity, anything that grows, anything that's successful, anything that's prosperous, also trouble grows with that. That's just the way it is. A single man's got it whipped. He can go home when he wants to go home, get up when he wants to get up, eat what he wants to eat, until the day he marries. The day he marries, he has to stop doing that stuff because he's got somebody else. And not only does he have his own issues that he was dealing with, now trouble has grown because the person he married has got issues. You see what I'm saying? His life may be prospering, his life may be blessed, but trouble's coming with the blessings. You know? Trouble's coming, and then you're going to have children. And then you got real trouble. I mean, real trouble. And they grow up, and you've got massive trouble. You think you could get out of that stuff, but you don't. You never quit being a parent. Sorry to say, your kids can be old. You know, they, your kids can be losing their hair, and you still are with their trouble. You can be a guy who starts a business, just you, just you and your family. Business grows, you hire another employee. Now you got their troubles. Next thing you know, you got five employees. The business is being blessed, the business is being prospered, okay? But now it's just not you anymore. See, before it was just you trying to make care of your family, but now you've got all these other families depending on you to make these right decisions. There's pressure on you. Because those families have got to eat too. And you realize if you make wrong decisions, you're not just affecting yourself, you're, effect, you're affecting all these other families. So you see, in the natural sense, trouble grows with success. Trouble grows with growth. Spiritually it does. Spiritually it does. 
Tares grow along with the wheat. That's why the Bible says, Jesus says, don't pull the tares up because you'll mess with the wheat. You know, every church, every real church has tares in it, I hate to tell you. And I'm hoping I'm not a tear in this church this morning. You know what I'm saying? But every church has tares in it. You may be a tear. Seriously, you may be a tear because tares grow along with the wheat. Tares grow along with the wheat. Verse 14. It says, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. And I think Matthew adds a word he calls the desire for other things. It says, it says they're choked. Okay? Now, here's the, here's the truth. Every year in the United States of America, and this is sort of hard to believe in a way, adults, grown people, choke to death on food. Every year. I don't know how many. I was trying to find it, how many, what the statistics are. But I really couldn't ever find exactly what it is. But every year, adults choke. they got this Heimlich maneuver where, you know, the universal signal is if you're in a restaurant and you're choking, you grab your throat. And people know they go perform this Heimlich maneuver on you to help you keep from choking to death. But this is, this is the truth. Food is meant to, to nourish you. Food is meant to bless you. Food is meant to be something to be enjoyed. Yet people die on food. And that's really the truth. You know, what Jesus was trying to say there is there's things that God has given us to, to be enjoyed in our life. Pleasures. Meant to be enjoyed. Money. Meant to be enjoyed. Meant to be a blessing. Hobbies. Meant to be a blessing. Other things. Whatever those other things. They don't have to be evil things. Meant to be a blessing. Yet people are choking on them. People are choking on hobbies. You've got hobbies that are killing you. When you think about it, your spiritual man is crying out, I'm choking on this. I'm choking on it. You're killing me. Christians are like that. Those things are killing people. They don't even realize it. Think about it. A hobby. Killing you. Think about it. Does that not seem just like just the craziest thing in the world? And I think hobbies are a good thing, just like food's a good thing. Money. Your pursuit to make money killing you. It's killing people. It's choking you to death. The desire for other things, whatever those other things may be. A desire for a spouse is a good thing. But it be, could be killing you, choking you. Think about that. Does that make sense? When you really think about your life in view of eternity? Yet the church is full of people who are dying spiritually. They're being choked. They're just like this. Help! Your spirit man saying, help! This person's man, their job, their stupid job, they're not even making up 50000 a year is killing them. You know, it's $50,000 a year. That's not much money these days. You know what I'm saying? Letting something like that kill you. And this is, listen to this verse right here. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? This is serious. Lamentations 1.9. It says, she, it's talking about Jerusalem, which we could take this as a prophecy to us. She did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. She did not consider her destiny. Lamentations 1.9. She did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. 
She did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. That's what's happened with a lot of people. Because of these other things, because of riches, because of a career, because of some stupid hobby, <laughs> okay? They quit considering their destiny. The thing that God had placed them on this earth, and it says your collapse is going to be awesome, or awful, or however <laughs> you want to look at it. Not awesome in a, in a, in a good way. And I'm going to tell you something. This is the truth. Spiritually minded people can be the worst of this bunch. All right? It's not just old carnal halfway Christians that are all messed up. I'm talking about people who really feel they have a call from God. They're some of the worst ones to get choked on what? They get choked on their ministry. They can get choked on their call. Anybody relate to this? I mean choked on it. You can choke on your dreams. You know, the things that God has put in your life. You can choke on your vision. This is what happens. Okay? There's this term, I sort of, I didn't make this term, I sort of made, half of this term I made up, the other half I read in a book, okay? It was about something else, but unfulfilled expectation fatigue. Everybody say that. Unfulfilled expectation fatigue. This is what happens to people who have real high expectations. This, other, this book I was reading about revival, and it was revival expectation fatigue. So, but I, I think unfulfilled expectation. Because see, here's what happens with a lot of Christians. They have, I'm talking about spiritually minded. If you're just an old carnal, messed up Christian this morning, you can just rest for a second. <laughs> but people who really feel like God's got something for me, and I want what God's got for me, and I'm going after what God's got for me, okay? This applies to you. You get this unfulfilled expectation fatigue on you. In other words, things don't work out the way you thought they were going to work out. And what happens is, here's the sentence, spiritual disillusionment, cynicism, boredom, unbelief. That's what happens to them. That's what happens to a lot of Christians. People who really feel on fire from God. Feel like God's really got something for them. But it don't happen the way they thought it was going to happen, or it don't happen when they thought it was going to happen, or it hadn't happened. And what happens is, they get this syndrome, this fatigue on them. I've seen, I've had it on me. I've had the revival expectation fatigue on me, thinking, you know, we're going to have this revival. And what happens is they abandon their first love. They abandon the Lord. Who in here is guilty of that this, of this morning? I guarantee these people guilty. They, yeah, I thank you for saying, raise your hand. They abandon the Lord and they forget their destiny. They forget it. They forget their destiny. The thing that God had put in them, they forget it because the thing that God had put in them was killing them, they thought. It really wasn't that thing killing them. It was their wrong expectation, their presumptuous thinking. And they begin to fall back into the world or to the, or other things for fulfillment. You see what I'm saying to you? That's what happens. You start getting... Because this thing in your life is not being fulfilled, this thing is, these expectations are not being met, you, you get you start going back into other things to fulfill that thing in your life. Your job or your career or another person, you know, something, whatever it is. You start pursuing those things. Anybody ever done that? Am I talking to anybody in this room? Daggone it. I guarantee you you've done it. You've started going after these other things. And, and what happens is you get away from God because it didn't work out, so I'm going to go over here and do my, you know, thing over here. I'm going to go do my hobby I'm going to go do my career. I'm going to go make some money. I'm going to have me a nice this or nice that. And those things are all meant to be enjoyed by God. You know what I'm saying to you? This is real stuff. 
because those things grow up with us. And you know what the sad thing about this, these are, these people? Good ground. Started well. But let other things choke out. And they never really brought any fruit to fulfillment. Happens to a lot of people in the church. I see it happening to a lot of people right now in the church. I think a lot of people are at that place in the church right now. I think we need to really examine our heart. What's choking us? What's choking us? Are you with me? Okay, number four. I'm going to get a swallow of water. Y'all okay? How about the rest of you? <laughs> okay, the fourth type of people. This is the one we want to be. Seed that fell on the good ground, verse 15. It says, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, kept it and bore fruit or bear fruit with patience. Okay. Now, this one's sort of hard, you know, because you, everybody wants to be good ground, but you ask, Lord, how do you become good ground? I mean, you know, and you could think about this in a lot of ways, okay, about being good ground. You know, you can think about it like, you know, a farmer or a gardener or a, somebody who has a nice lawn, you know, weeds it and all that and fertilizes it. and Those are all good pictures. But I'm going to give you the picture that I got, okay? Because I feel like the Lord really, this is what the Lord, I feel like the Lord said to me. You know, you could change the name of this church from Calvary Community Church to Naomi Community Church. Y'all know who Naomi is? In the Bible, you know, there's a book called the Book of Ruth. You know who Naomi was? Naomi was married to this man named Elimelech. There got to be this famine in Bethlehem. And they left. They moved out. Just flat packed their stuff and left there because of this famine. And went over to Moab. You know who the Moabs were? They were people from the ancestral relationship of, who was it? Lot, yeah. That's how them boys got started, Moab. <laughs> From incest, so you know, so they moved over here to this crowd of incestual, sexually perverted, generationally at least people, and uh, they had a couple kids, a couple guys. One of them was named Sickly. That was his, that's what his name meant, Sickly, and the other one's name was Piney, pining away. That's what her two kids. Well, she gets over there, and the boys marry two women. One of them's named Ruth, and one of them's named Orpah. 